think you are worried about where I've been or who I saw. Oh, what club I went to with my homies. Baby, don't worry. You know that you got me. If you are worried about where I've been or who I saw, what club I went to with my homies, baby, baby, don't worry. You know that you got me. Look, if you're so worried about, okay. When I was a senior in high school, my friend John Bush asked me if I wanted to go to a Roots concert for $20 in Petaluma at the Phoenix Theater. I think I knew a few of their songs, but honestly, at the time I was like, 20 bucks? Are they worth 20 bucks? And Johnny B said, you son of a bitch. You don't know a damn thing about anything. I'll pick you up at eight. All you need is a $20 bill and I'll handle the rest. John Bush always equipped to supply the fun things in a night. So we went, got up to the Phoenix Theater, which is always fun, and it was packed shoulder to shoulder. And we did a pretty good job of shoving our way up to the front, at least towards the front, and there was like a din in the room, kind of just a buzz of a sound of people settling in, people getting excited, people smoking what they want to smoke, People chilling, people laughing, people talking, people waiting for the roots. And this is a professional group that I really knew nothing about. All I knew was live rap was pretty terrible. In my experience, up until that, live rap just meant somebody standing in front of their DJ, rapping over their tracks, where they don't sound anywhere as good as they do on the compact disc. So I was like, all right, live rap, 20 bucks. Can't it be 12, John? And then the roots come out like a marching band. I mean, they come out really organized where everybody gets situated. Bass player goes to the bass. Keyboardist sits down behind the keys. Black Thought comes right up to the mic. And then the OG, the virtuoso, the point guard, the legend, Questlove, sits behind his snare drum. And at that point, I'm just looking at Questlove. I had never even heard of Questlove Never seen Questlove, but this enormous afro with a big pick in it is creating a great shadow on the backdrop. And I'm close enough right now where I'm just thinking, I'm about to get an intimate percussion lesson with Questlove. And all he needs is the hi-hat and the snare and the bass drum. And as they all settle behind their instruments, they counted it off. One, two, three, and they all exhaled weed smoke. And the crowd went nuts. And then for the next two hours... They just filled the room with the greatest sounds that hip-hop could create. Back then, 1999, I had not heard rap at this level. It was too good. It was one of those shows where you leave, you leave the concert, and you don't even have to say anything because everybody just experienced it together. That moment of awe where you're just like, yeah, that's as satisfying as live music gets. That is absolutely the pinnacle of a hip-hop experience. You almost want to keep celebrating it. Just keep the night going. Like it was a launching pad to a euphoric evening or something. But I definitely got into the roots after that. 
and all of the mainstream success they've had becoming Jimmy Fallon's house band is not a surprise. I mean, that's a level of talent that rises to the top. In a true meritocracy, yeah, that's as good as it gets for a hip-hop instrumental band. But there is a glue factor to it, and that's Questlove. And I've heard him interviewed, and just his upbringing, which almost made rap and rock and roll seem rebellious. His parents didn't want him getting anywhere near that world. Questlove, Amir Thompson, was just supposed to live out his days in the church. But instead, turns out that he had a gift. Not just as a drummer, but the guy is a spectacular journalist. He's a great writer. He's a businessman. He's a DJ. And now, this guy is a filmmaker. Just give him the Oscar. Okay, just give Quest Love the Oscar because I finally saw a wonderful movie. I was in a drought. And look, what am I doing this summer? I'm not going on any trips. I mean, maybe we bounce around from park to park, pool to pool, mall to mall, store to store, but I'm not going on any trips. It's newborn mode. All attention on the newborn baby, so we're not going anywhere. In our evenings, as we settle in with some snacks and a little red wine, we're looking for that next great show or that next great movie. And I can't find it until last night. It's called The Summer of Soul. It's in theaters, but it was on Hulu. It started streaming, and I read the synopsis. And it just said, in 1969, the Harlem Cultural Festival attracted some of the biggest names in music the same summer that Woodstock was going on, and the footage was never released. Okay, let's check it out. Sometimes I like to just check it out. I like to sample it. Is it going to capture me in the first five or ten minutes? If not, goodbye. Abort. But it was a history lesson. And it was almost surreal to think, wait, this happened? At a park in Harlem in 1969. This happened? Stevie Wonder? Gladys Knight? Sly and the Family Stone? The Fifth Dimension? One of the guys from The Temptations? They all just showed up in Harlem and put on six straight weeks of amazing entertainment? And I've never heard about it? Actually, no one's ever heard about it? Because all of the footage was just forgotten about in a basement for 50 years. And then Questlove, this is the first movie he's ever directed, produced. Questlove uses the footage of this concert to tell the story of black America during the 60s and a lot of the history of the civil rights movement. It's all intertwined with these awesome live performances of Stevie and Sly and Nina Simone and Mahalia Jackson. It's just like a perfect summer movie. What I don't understand is why? Why was this footage never released? It would have made money. I fully understand that Woodstock was the festival that summer that everybody was going to talk about forever, but the Harlem Cultural Festival seemed to be just as good in many ways. Didn't attract as many people, but the impact on the people that were there being interviewed in this documentary, I mean, it's just raw emotion. It's the type of stuff I should show my students. I mean, it's weird that teaching sometimes is read pages 18 to 32 and then answer the three questions and highlight the key terms. All of that is fine. All of that is fine. The classic academic experience But still, when you have Questlove capturing the black experience of New York City in the late 60s, think about the late 60s, the assassination of MLK, JFK, Bobby Kennedy, the moon landing, the rise of so many different types of art. The best way to learn history, obviously, is from the people that experienced it. But also, if you could show some legendary performances, this is downright educational. Especially, there was a part in this, even though it was musical, But the festival was happening 
during the moon landing. And I've always taught the moon landing as like, what an incredible breakthrough in science. These brilliant astronauts landed on the moon. When I teach the Cold War, that's how I teach it. And the Americans and the Russians battled in the space race. And eventually Neil Armstrong lands on the moon. Isn't that amazing? Battling with the Russians. The hated evil Russians trying to get to the moon. Hey Yuri, how was it going to the moon today? It was okay bro bro. I mean it was a little cold in outer space. Could have used a nice winter coat. But ultimately it was great to make strides in the space race. And we hate those Soviets, right? Isn't that how we teach the space race? And then we got to the moon. And we launched more satellites. America. But you watch this documentary. There's interviews with all of these black people in Harlem back then in 1969. They're saying, who gives a fuck? Moon landing? How much is the government spending on going to the moon? And I was like, I never thought about that. A lot of these people in the crowd being interviewed about it We're saying, there's a lot of money being spent on this moon landing that could be spent to feed a lot of needy kids that could fund a lot of good programs in the inner city. And they were like, who gives a shit about the moon? I'm not going to the moon. None of us are ever going to the moon. And I almost had to rethink everything. I was like, it's true. If we never went to the moon, my life would probably be the exact same, right? Nothing against these great astronauts and these great scientists who made incredible strides. And I think it's cool still, but like, When you prioritize government spending and you think about all of the many groups of people that could use some help, where are you ranking space exploration and moon science? Just a little tidbit in the documentary where a lot of them are not ranking moon science as high as you might think. There's two sides to everything, folks. There's two sides to everything. Who gives a fuck that we went to the moon? How about some sandwiches for the kids in Harlem? How about that? Questlove, gifted drummer, gifted filmmaker. It's called The Summer of Soul. This is a recommendation, folks. If you have Hulu or, hey, if you're back to going to theaters, doesn't it kind of feel like we're allowed to do things again? I haven't been to a theater yet. I haven't been to a baseball game yet. I think all of that is coming. I think it's coming soon. Oh, yeah, but maybe the best part. I keep saying, maybe the best part, maybe this, maybe that. But maybe the best part, Sly and the Family Stone. If you don't know about Sly and the Family Stone, come on. You probably know all of their songs, but didn't really know the story of Sly. Sylvester, prodigy, wrote all the songs, played all the instruments. Such a rich, soulful voice. We're talking about funk, rock, psychedelic sounds. I mean, Sly and the Family Stone was so legendary, so talented, and it's so sad to think Sly is still alive and the guy is homeless. All the reports in the last 10 years say he's not getting a penny of these royalties. Not a penny of these royalties. Three years ago, I was having a conversation with somebody. I was at a pool party, and for some reason, we were talking about Sly, and the person said, yeah, he lives in his van in Novato. I was like, Novato? I teach in Novato. Sly Stone. The legendary Sly Stone lives in his van on the streets of Novato. Googled it. Turns out he's probably in L.A. living in a van. Just strung out from years of drug use and bad decisions. You can read the Wikipedia page if you want. It's ugly. 
That's an ugly Wikipedia page if you want to battle through that one. But I googled it, Sly Stone, Novato, California. And there's a YouTube video of him in his nice home in Novato. I'm like, wow, Novato on the map. Look at Sly in his in-home studio creating some of the greatest music you've ever heard. We might need to hit the post on some of that stuff. It might be time to just start spinning the records with old DJ Easy Josh. Hey, we got a big morning coming at you. It's Sly and the Family Stone, Everyday People on 104.5 The Pulse. Not bad. Not bad. I think I hit it. We know what you want, baby, baby. We know what you want here on 103.7 The Machine. It's DJ Dickum down. You're probably stuck in traffic right now, but to help you get through the slog and the grind, we got Sly and the Family Stone. If you want me to stay, kick it. Nope, too early. DJ Dickum down here on 103.3 The Mission. It's Sly and the Family Stone. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available. Hey, the DJ who sings the song. Okay. All right, everybody, get out of your chairs. It's time to blow the roof off this motherfucker. I know we're not supposed to swear on the radio, but it's DJ Easy J bringing in the hottest shit from Sly and the Family Stone on 108.8 The Masturbator. Ooh, this is hot. I'll let this play a bit. But maybe the hottest. If we're just going to show some gratitude today, or I should say it in the DJ voice, if we're going to show some gratitude today, we want to thank you right here on 105.3, the sack DJ, big old face in the place to be. He's spinning it on the ones, the twos, the threes. My menthol cigarette is about to burn right through my thigh. It's Sly and the Family Stone. Thank you. Here we go. Might have been a little early on that. I wanted the here we go to be where they say thank you. Let me try that again. Here we go. Okay. Be myself. All right. So that wonderful voice, that wonderful band, that incredible group. Just plummets. And nobody's making a cent off of that because of some shitty business deals. And Sly is still alive. They told the story that the band would just come on, blitzed out of their mind, probably tripping off LSD and a bunch of other things, and just start tuning their instruments on stage for like 15 awkward minutes. And the crowd's going, What's going on here? What's going on? And then when Sly would hit the first note, they were all just boom on the same page captured the crowd and you should see the crowd in this documentary when sly and the family stone they start rolling people are into it people are shoving to the front like me and bush at the roots in 99 at the phoenix in petaluma 
at the Phoenix where if you are worried about where I've been or who I saw or what club I went to with my homies, baby, don't worry. You know that you've got me. All right. This morning I went and got a haircut. I've been going to the same place for about, I don't know, seven years. When did I move back to the Bay Area? 2013? Yeah. It's called Best Hair. Best Hair. They labeled it Best Hair. They're like, we don't give a shit about the reviews. We're going to get out in front of that and just label our business Best. Are they the best? No, not really. But they're quick and they're cheap. Men's haircut, about 15 bucks. It's 2021. Men's haircut, 15 bucks. Give them a what? Five, six buck tip. You're still out of there with about 20 bucks. Shit. I go to this Vietnamese guy and it's always very quiet. I sit down, I say, I'll do a half, fade it high and tight to a four on top, square the back, and that's all I say. And he does it perfectly and I pay him and I say, thanks, have a good day. But this morning I got there and I've never known this guy to be a conversationalist and I realized I'm not either. I treat the barbershop like the gas station. Like I'm just there for a service. But the guy in the chair before me for 15 minutes, non-stop conversationalist. Couldn't stop talking to my barber. And my barber was apparently cool, funny, nice. All these qualities I wouldn't know because I'm just quiet, shy guy apparently in the chair. But the guy in the chair before me, my God, he just sits down. He's like, yeah, it's been quite a week. I'll tell you what, I was camping a few weeks ago over in Jedediah Redwood National Forest. I, I told you about it up there. And the guy's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I told you, I'll take you one day. We'll have some beers. We'll go fishing. I'm like, what? He just made fishing plans with my barber? And yeah, my one son, he's still skateboarding. And then my stepson, he hates skateboarding and he hates me, but he does love water parks. So I took him to Raging Waters a couple weeks ago. And neither of us are wearing any sunblock. We just came home with quite a sunburn. Anyways, my ex-wife is back in town and that's ugly. And the barber's listening and he's laughing and they're having a great conversation. And I was just like, what is going on? Extroverts, they exist. I actually had to Google this. What is an introvert versus an extrovert? And this goes back to Carl Jung, the well-known psychologist Carl Jung. Don't pronounce that J, just go Jung. Talking about what extroverts are. These are people that get recharged. They recharge their battery by interacting with others. And then people like me, apparently, I never thought I was such an introvert, but apparently introverts get energized by spending time alone or with a small group of friends. That's weird. I don't think I have any social anxiety. I don't think so. My group of friends, though, wouldn't know me because they've known me since I was like, 10? Actually, most of my close friends have known me for about 20 years, and I'm not shy among them. They would probably describe me as a major extrovert. I mean, what am I even doing right now? I'm talking into a microphone. That doesn't sound like such an introvert activity. However, I can tell you, in radio stations, a lot of these hosts who put on the mic and they sound like they're really enthusiastic and engaged, these people are very quiet at commercial breaks. I've seen so many radio hosts that are introverts, that are actually shy Weak, feeble men. <laughs> it's true. And then when the mic comes on, they have a new name, a new persona. So that's not me. So that's not me. I'm immediately arguing with that point. That's not me. But I think it's interesting that a lot of people who know me 
would probably say, you're an extrovert, right? Not really. Not really. In most social settings, I'm an introvert. And when you look at the actual definition, most people are just somewhere on the spectrum. You don't have to really get pigeonholed in one or the other. But if introverts are those that enjoy time to themselves, and it's actually exhausting. If you socialize too much and you're an introvert, you come home and you're just like out of sorts. You're disoriented. But if you're an extrovert, you could just talk to strangers on the bus, talk to your barber for an hour, find a conversation at the gas station, go to a bar, talk to the bartender. These extroverts, they don't want it to stop. It's actually what energizes them. Their quality of life is enhanced by endless socializing. And then there's different types of extroverts and different types of introverts. I don't have to get too deep into it. But what do you think you are? What do you think you are? Typical Saturday night. Do you want to be alone on that couch? Or are you just perusing the websites to find something going on, something social? I got to go somewhere. Got to go to a party. Got to throw a party. I think Tiffany Haddish said it best. Want to be invited to everything and attend nothing. That's what happens. At this age, you want to be invited to everything, okay, and attend nothing. So you introverts with your internal thoughts focused on your feelings in your head. I'm in my head way too much. Sometimes you want to just get out of there. Wait, I was in my head for the last hour. I need to engage with the world. And it happens because you're not actively seeking out external stimulation. That's why. That's why it happens. You're not actively seeking it out. When it happens, you're good at it. It doesn't mean you're bad at socializing. It just means you react to it differently. And one of the articles I saw, it says 70% of all people are just lying somewhere in the middle of the spectrum. On the continuum, most people have a little bit of both. You don't have to just be on one end or the other. But I'll measure you right now. How are you at the barber when you're getting a haircut? Are you talking to the stylist the whole time? And then a new bakery opened up in our neighborhood. And it's interesting because they do scones and croissants, but they don't do any sort of donuts. And we're a real donut family. I was telling you about my friend who said he invented the donut hole. Wasn't I telling you that? Just talking to the person cutting your hair for a full hour. Is that you? Is that you? You go into a steam room or a sauna because everyone's just going into steam rooms and saunas. Are you looking for a conversation? You go into a sauna if there's another naked person in there. Are you trying to have a conversation? It's supposed to rain, isn't it? It's supposed to supposed to rain, isn't it? Shut the fuck up and just enjoy the hot sauna rocks. If you come into a sauna with your nuts clanking off your thighs and you're looking for a conversation, you are an extrovert. You're also fucking annoying, but let's keep it scientific. You are an extrovert. You come into a sauna where people are having that meditative bliss and you come in and you say, you know, I didn't think the Suns had a chance to be in the finals, but that that Chris Paul is a hell of a player. Oh, really obvious sports take? Is that Chris Paul a hell of a player? Oh, what a mind-blowing, brilliant take. All right, all right, okay. If you don't know by now, if you haven't listened to a bunch of these podcasts. I am pretty obsessed with wildlife. I just am. I don't know why. I didn't expect this to be my life, but I'm consumed with wildlife. I think a lot about coyotes and skunks and raccoons and deer and bears and lions and possums and rats and squirrels and anything else that could show up at my door at any time. I'm on guard, but I'm not on next door. I'm not on next door. I don't have the app. I don't need the stress. But three days ago, my friend Rick 
texts me a screenshot of a post on Nextdoor, and it says, Mountain Lion is seen on the field right behind the daycare that I take my daughter to. Just right there on Nextdoor. Mountain Lion was seen around this daycare. Beware. And I'm like, shit. Mountain Lion? And the post said something about potentially hunting a pack of deer. Is it even called a pack? Doesn't every group of animal have an interesting group name? Pride of lions. Flock of seagulls. So whatever deer are, apparently they're being hunted by mountain lions about three blocks away from me. That's just next door. Okay. There was no photo. There's no footage. Just somebody puts up a post. Okay. So I forgot about it. However... Yesterday, we're on a family walk. And a family walk at this point, a 39-year-old, a 38-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a three-week-old, it's an accomplishment to get out the door. I don't care where you're going, even the bank. It's an accomplishment if you just get out the door. Strollers ready? Uh-huh. You have snacks? Uh-huh. You have keys? Uh-huh. You have your phone? Uh-huh. Do you have all the creams and ointments we might need? Uh-huh. Do you have all the medications and pills we might need? Uh Uh-huh. Do you have hair ties and hoodies? Uh Uh-huh. Do you have wipes? Uh Uh-huh. You do have wipes? Uh Uh-huh. Can you look again? Can you check and see if you have wipes? I look. No wipes. Okay. Let me just... I'm going to run back in and grab the wipes. Okay. Because for the rest of my life, I'm just going to need wipes on me. Wipes. So you get out the door. (gasps) Wow, is this nice. Look at us. Hey, neighborhood. Look at us. We're out. How nice is this? So we were walking down the block and we actually walk into this daycare area and there are actual signs, posters all over the place with pictures of a mountain lion. This is just a stock image from Google. This isn't the mountain lion, but there are stock images on posters saying, keep out mountain lion sighting. And what did the Rosenbergs do? Well, this fearless bunch of motherfuckers plowed through. And we continued walking around this complex. But in my mind, it went from, hey, fresh air, blissful joy and family fun, to, okay, this is now a horror movie. It actually became something so weird in my head that I was picturing myself fighting a mountain lion in front of my three girls. Because if one was to turn the corner and come at us, I'm going first. I'm going first. And I was thinking, do I put a key through my knuckles? Like if I'm going to throw a punch at a mountain lion, do I want to put a key through my knuckles and try to puncture the mountain lion's neck? Could I beat up a mountain lion? I don't want to kill him, but could I hold my own? Or would that be it? All of this from a next door post. I can't tell how irrational this is because in the moment, that's what anxiety is. In the moment, it doesn't feel irrational. It's in retrospect, you go, what the fuck? What was I thinking about? But I don't even think my wife understood what was going through my head. I was no longer present. I went from, hey, all-American family guy, to an absolute horror movie, a nightmare experience. This walk, everywhere I looked, every rustle, every bird that landed on a leaf, every gust of wind, I just pictured that big fucking mountain lion running full speed, sprinting at me, showing teeth. Daughter screaming, wife crying, just blood splashing all over the place as daddy is trying to pin a mountain lion down 
screaming, you leave this neighborhood. Roll the credits. That's the scariest movie of the summer. That's also episode 147. All right, folks, leave a review on iTunes if you have a chance. If not, just keep enjoying this moment, wherever you are. If it's night, if it's morning, if it's afternoon, if you're in your car, on a walk, wherever you are, just enjoy this moment, okay? I appreciate the fact that we got to share this moment. And now, now is when I get to say, it's all in the books. I'll talk to you soon. Well, Myla, before we end the podcast, can you just tell me who you love? Mommy. Okay, that works. I love her too. You could say, this episode? This episode? Is in the books. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 